And we'll begin at verse number 19, which happens to be the last verse in chapter 3. And then we'll continue in to chapter 4 and read some verses. Amen. Um, I'm sure that it's this way with you when you study. Um, when I study the Word, I, I study and I pray and then I study some more and I pray some more. And sometimes I pray while I'm studying under my breath and pray in the Spirit. And then sometimes I'll just get up from my office and come out here and, and um, somebody asked me if I was going to sing tonight. I said, I do a lot of singing in this building, but... Um, Usually, you know, no one's here, amen, and uh, it's just singing to the Lord and ministering to Him, and I'll come out here, and I'll, and, and somewhere, some along, along the way, there'll be what I call a breakthrough or a, or a light bulb moment, and, and for me, the breakthrough came kind of last minute. Now, I literally have, without exaggeration, because it took so long um, to populate the backup email that I send myself that I paid attention to it, 25 pages, tight pages of notes. Obviously, we probably won't get to half a page of that. But, so we're loaded, but it's one thing to have a bunch of information. It's another thing to have revelation to serve you. Amen. And um, I don't want to just serve you any old food tonight. I want to serve you what the Holy Spirit um, would give if Jesus was here himself to hand you something from his truth and wisdom. And so that's what I believe that I have for you, and it'll take me a minute to get there. But... Um, Let's, um, let's begin at verse 19. Now, I'm not going to read anything out of chapter 3 other than verse 19. But chapter 3 begins to talk about a very important subject that's communicated in a four-letter word. And that four-letter word is the word rest. R-E-S-T. Rest. All right? And rest is connected to our bigger subject, which is on Wednesdays this year we've been studying the subject of faith. All right? And so it begins this way. So we see... They could not enter in because of unbelief. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, and if you notice the, the, the pronoun there, His, is capital H. This is speaking of God's rest. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, we kind of took a sharp turn there, so let's make sure everybody is, is still uh, in the caravan, okay? He's talking about rest, and, and the rest that was available to God's children in the Old Testament and the Bible says that He brought them out of slavery in Egypt so that He could bring them into their promised life in their promised land. And it was their promised life, living that life in the land that God had given to them. That was what He called their rest. Their rest. Okay? And notice the Bible says that they did not enter into the rest that God had prepared for them. And they did not enter into that rest because of what? Unbelief. Everybody still with me tonight? They did not enter into that rest because of unbelief. Now, let's take this and massage it for a moment. Not to change it, but just to make sure you understand. If they did not enter in because of unbelief, what was it that they needed in order to enter in? Belief. It's not a trick question, right? So in other words, they were to enter into their rest, the rest that God provided for them. They were to enter into that through faith. Faith is how we enter into life on other levels. 
Jesus came to give you life on a whole new level. Amen. On a level that you have never experienced before. Amen. A quality of life. A condition of life. Amen. That is available to you and me tonight, but it can only be stepped up into and walked out and enjoyed if we learn how to step into it and walk it out in faith. So they missed out on what God had prepared for them because of unbelief. And He's saying, you and I... And notice now, very rarely does the Bible ever tell you and me to fear anything. But it absolutely says, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of the promise of rest that God has for you and me. Unless, unless we fall short the way they fall short. Or the way they fell short. Alright. Verse 3, For he... For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Now I think um, most of us, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dare say every one of us in here has at least some inkling of an idea as to where that quote came from. That came from creation, right? God created for six days. At, on the sixth day, He created mankind. He created you and me. He created Adam and Eve. He put them in that garden, on that planet, in that solar system, in that galaxy, in that universe that He created. Amen? He created the universe. He created the galaxies. He created our galaxy. He created our star, our sun. He created our solar system. He created our planet. And He created the garden on that planet. And then He put Adam and Eve in that garden. He put them there. After He did all the work, after He did all the work of creation. Are you seeing this? God worked. He created you and me at the end of the work. Then He entered into rest, inviting you and me to enter into rest with Him. Are you seeing this? It's important that you see this because there's a pattern here, amen, that is so very, very important to my life and to your life and the life that God created us to live. All right? Now, wow. Um, let's do this. Thank you, Jesus. Let's skip to verse 8. I'm just, there's, I want you to see the bigger picture as we start to unfold some of this. So let's skip to verse 8, for it says, For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Got any people of God in the room tonight? Any born-again folk in the room tonight? Anybody in here consider themselves to be a child of God? Amen. So he says that there remains a place of rest for you and me, a place of rest that is not the same as, but, but can be understood by understanding the rest that other generations have had prepared for them and have entered into. He says there remains now a rest for you and me. That rest is to be entered into the same way other people entered into the rest that God prepared for them. We enter into it by faith. We enter into it by faith. Alright? So, again, to orient some of you who may not be familiar with, with you know, uh, everything the Bible teaches, we know that, that God used Moses to bring His people out of slavery in Egypt. Amen to that? But remember, Moses 
it's strong to say he failed. I don't want to say he failed, but he, he did not succeed. <laughs> I know I'll see you one day, Moses. I love you, buddy. I'm not bashing you up here, right? But he did not succeed uh, in, in bringing those same people into their promised life, into their promised land, into their rest. He actually died in, 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 on the other side of the Jordan River. But God raised up another leader named Joshua who did, who did lead the next generation into that promised land. So the reason he's specifying here that this is not, if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. He's wanting you and me to know that this was not fulfilled when Joshua led them into the promised land. He's talking about something different for you and me. Amen? Look, you're going to have to contain your excitement tonight or I'm not going to be able to finish this, okay? All right, now, there's a place of rest. There's a place of rest. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a place of rest for you. There's a place of rest for you that you haven't walked in yet. There's a quality of life for you. Come on, let's just talk to one another for a minute. Uh, amen. If, if me talking to you is not working, let's talk to one another. There's a place of rest for you that you haven't entered into yet. There's a quality of life. Say it to me. Pass it to me. There's a quality of life that's available for you that you haven't experienced yet. It's what he's talking about here, right? It's what he's talking about here. Amen. Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest, God's rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Let me give you just a couple of more verses, all right? I'm going to give you that same verse again, but I want to make sure we connect it with the next two. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest any one fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account." I'm getting way ahead of myself, but let's start here and we'll back our way into this, all right? Were previous generations held accountable by God concerning the degree of rest they entered into? Were they held accountable? It's not a trick question. Absolutely yes, they were held accountable. Were Adam and Eve held accountable for how they handled the rest that God prepared for them? Was Moses' generation held accountable for how they handled the rest that was prepared for them? Was Joshua's generation held accountable for the rest that, they, that God prepared for them? Yes. We are not Adam's generation. We are not Moses' generation. We are not Joshua's generation. We are Yeshua HaMashiach's generation. We are Jesus' generation. We are Generation Christ. And the rest that has been prepared for you and me was not the work of creation, was not the work of deliverance from Egypt, was not the work of Moses as a leader, was not the work of Joshua as a leader, but it was the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in 
becoming a man, living among us, living a sinless life, dying on a cross naked, bleeding to death, becoming our sin so that we could be free from our sin and enter into a level of rest that was never available to any other generation before our generation. Do you think we're going to be held accountable? That's why he said, everything is open. He's, he, you're not hiding from him. Your attitude towards him is very clear to him. Your attitude towards his word is very clear to him. Your attitude towards your purpose and assignment is very clear to him. Your attitude towards faith is very clear to him. I'm not telling you this to condemn you. I'm telling you this. I, it would be a dereliction of duty if I didn't tell you this as your pastor. We take this attitude, this approach, well, yeah, I can take it or leave it. There was, some, there, was, there was a group when it came to entering into the promised land. They had a whole bunch of cattle, sheep, goats, this kind of thing. And on their way there, they found a beautiful pasture, and they go up to Moses and say, hey, dude, look, you know, y'all, y'all carry on. We're tired of traveling. We're tired of packing up. Our kids are restless. We, we're going to settle down right here, and whatever we had coming over there, you, you just divide it up amongst yourselves, and, and we're, we're, we're good. They, they looked at it like this was a, you know, their option or something. And Moses said, are you really going to sit here while your brothers go to war? And are you going to allow your actions to discourage the hearts of God's children? See, we think we're not hurting anybody by, but ourselves by not going after God's best. Wrong. If you've been around here very often on Sundays of late, you find out that your unwillingness to go after God's best is not just hurting you, but it's affecting us all. It's affecting the whole family of faith. It's affecting the whole body of Christ. All right, let me tie one last thing together, and then we're going to move back up, all right? This was something, as, as, as many years as I have quoted Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, I apologize. I apologize before God. I apologize before you. I've never really made the connection or have even tried to make the connection to all the things that come before it. He says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Do you know what it literally says in the King James Version? Let us labor to enter the rest. Let us work to rest. Let us work to enter. In other words, I'll explain this before we leave tonight, okay? But he's talking about the effort that you and I must put in in order to enter into rest. Right? Rest is yours. You say, well, if it's mine, why, why do I have to work enter into it? Because you didn't wake up in a neutral world this morning. You're not going to have to work to rest in heaven but you're going to have to put some effort into resting here on the earth. I'm not talking about laziness. I'm not talking about vacation, even if you're like me and it's hard for you to take one. Hard for you to wind down for a little while to rest. Right? That's not what I'm talking about. Let's go back to it. How do we enter rest? I'm talking about this kind of rest. How do we enter it? By faith. Am I right about this? We enter it by faith. Does faith require effort? Does faith require effort? You better know faith requires effort. There's no such thing as lazy faith. 
So if we're going to enter into our rest, we're going to have to work. But, but work how? Work, work faith. Use faith. Now, faith and what go hand in hand? Faith and the Word of God go hand in hand. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Jesus said His Word was seed, or like seed, or is seed. Your heart is soil. Faith is in your heart, Romans 12, 3. Your heart, God's Word, come into contact with one another. It's on like a chicken bone now, right? It's, we, we, we got some faith going now, right? Okay, you, are you seeing this? Anybody ever heard this expression? Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. The only fight that's good is the one you win. Right? I've never lost a good fight. You see what I'm saying? Amen. You, if, you're going, if it's going to be a good fight, it's going to be a victorious one. Right? Amen? You with me? Am I losing you? So do you see the connection when he says, put forth the effort, be diligent to enter that rest, lest any one of us fall according to their same example of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. All right, let's go back to the nation of Israel. God brought them out of slavery in Egypt in order to bring them into their promised life and their promised land. Are you still with me? Who did all the work to get them out of Egypt? God did it. God rolled up his sleeves. It, 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 was, it wasn't dismissive, but it was almost like God said, would y'all step aside for just a minute, let me deal with this for you, please. He rolled up his sleeves, he flexed his muscles, and he delivered them from Egyptian slavery. The closer they got to their best life, the more cooperation was required from them by God. Did they draw a sword to get out of Egypt? No. They did not draw a sword to get out of Egypt. But did they have to draw a sword to enter into their rest? Did they have to draw a sword to enter into their rest? Absolutely. Absolutely. So does our effort towards the things of God make a difference in how much of the things of God we experience and enjoy in our lives. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it was 2007, we, we kind of had a, a theme that year. It just rhymed. It sounded good. It seemed good to us in the Holy Ghost. Um, 2000, days like heaven in 2007, right? And the Bible talks about people who enjoyed days of heaven upon the earth and and, um, man, there were some folks, 2008, 2009, they got really upset with me because they didn't enjoy Days of Heaven in 2007, right? But, man, there was other folks here, part of this family of faith, 2007, best year of their life. 
Amen. Pastor Micah Andrews said something in January that has really uh, affected me this year. And he, he simply said this. He said, 2018 can be the best year of your life if you focus on the right things. You know what? 2018 can be the worst year of your life if you focus on the wrong things. So you say, which one is it, Pastor Mark? Is, is, is God wanting me to have a good year or a bad year? He always wants you to have a good moment, a good hour, a good day, a good week, a good month, a good year, a good life. He's always, because He is good. He's a good God, right? He's trying to carry you to a higher place tonight, a better place tonight. But there's only so far He can take you without you being willing to cooperate with Him. What would you do to be saved. Nothing other than call on the name of the Lord. Who did all that work? Who took all your sin? Who, who went to death, hell, and the grave so you didn't have to go there? He did every bit of that for you, right? He basically said, while you're still waving the middle finger of your life in my face, excuse me, I'm going to die for your sin just in case there comes a day you want to know me and love me. He did all of that for us. But if we're going to have anything better in our life experience than what we have right now, it's going to require some more cooperation with Him. And that cooperation specifically has to do, remember, I, I can't go in and out without saying it, right? Walking by faith versus walking by sight. Lining your thoughts, words, and actions up with what God has said. That's faith. Lining your thoughts, words, and actions up with the way things look, seem, and feel. That's walking by sight. And it'll get you nowhere. But to an inferior life. So do you see why the Word of God... What is the Word of God? The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. He's saying, by faith, we're going to have to take this living and powerful Word, sharper than any two-edged sword, and we're going to have to learn to use it in order to enter into the rest that God has for us, that He has for you, that He has for me. Now, this is kind of a tipping point. I want to go back up to the top and finish tonight. But... If we were to keep reading, we would see on different occasions where we are instructed to hold fast our confession. Hold fast our confession. He's talking about the things that you have spoken out of your mouth that are the same things that God has said about your life or about a situation in your life or about a problem or what have you. To confess means to say the same as. So that's one of the ways that we release faith because faith has to be aroused. Faith has to be awakened and activated in your heart. That's, that comes by hearing the Word of God. The Word of God arouses, awakens, activates the faith that's in you. But in order for the power that, that resides within faith to be released in your, to, to work in your life, to be operative in your life, it has to be released. And so one of the ways we release faith is by speaking, by confessing. Jesus taught us this. It's the basics of faith. Well, as soon as we release faith, what does the enemy try to do? The devil tries to get us to, to turn it loose. He tries to separate your heart from the Word of God. He tries to get you to back down. He tries to get you to quit. That's why the Bible says you've got to hold fast. You can't turn loose of it. Satan's going to do everything he can to try to get you to speak 
against, to speak contrary to, to realign your thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel, rather than aligning them with what God's Word says. All right. Let me... Um, thank you, Jesus. All right. In the passages that we've read tonight, let me just hit some high points, okay? In the passages that we have looked at tonight, we see that entering into rest is to be understood as entering into, experiencing, enjoying what has been given to you by God. And the Bible says that you've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. The Bible says that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The Bible says that you have been given the Spirit who is from God so that you might know the things that have been freely given to you by God. You, you've had things given to you that you have no idea are yours. How do we not just know those things, but how do we, how do we begin to walk out those things, experience those things in our life? Reality, faith, right? So entering into rest is entering into experiencing and enjoying what was given to you by God, what you did not work for, but He worked for to give to you. Entering into rest means entering into the provisions, accomplishments, benefits, opportunities, way of life, quality of life, and rewards created by and resulting from work that has already been completed. We can define rest simply this way. Rest is when you enjoy the fruits of someone else's labors. Inheritance is a beautiful example of rest. A rich young ruler asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit? You don't do anything to inherit. inherit. Inheritance is based upon your identity, who you are, not what you do. I'm David and Brenda Winslet's heir because I am David and Brenda Winslet's son. Inheritance is when you receive for yourself what someone else worked for their entire lives. Inheritance is a form or an example of rest. Now in the passages that I read to you, we see rest in three basic or different forms. We see the rest following the work of creation. We see the rest available to the Israelites following the work to get them out of Egypt. And we see the rest available to you and me tonight because of the completed work of Jesus. Three different uh, kinds of work that provided three different related, similar, but different kinds of rest for people who did not have to work. Somebody else did the work and, and then another uh, enjoyed the rest from that work. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the pattern? If you don't see the pattern, you'll keep making the same mistake over and over and over. What's that mistake? You'll keep thinking you've got to work. Well, I'm just trying to make my own way in life, Pastor Mark. Why in the world? Stop it! 
Why in the world would you try to make your own way in? I ain't nothing but pride anyway. Well, you know, you just got to let them find their own way. No, help them find God's way! Man, this whole idea just make it up as we go along. Uh-uh. If that's all, if, if all we had available to us was make it up as we go along, then, then let's all just try to make it up as we go along together. But thank God we don't have to live like that. Somebody else has done some heavy lifting for you. Somebody else has gone before you. Somebody else has put some things in place for you. They did the work so that you can enter into their rest. All right, I think it's pretty clear, but let me make sure. What work did we do to create the earth? Zero. But we enter into the rest of creation... I don't mean rest as in whole, I mean as to the rest that God provided in creation. When we enjoy what God created here, what work did we do to be born? I watched Pam give birth to two children. They don't call it labor for nothing. They don't call it labor. Did you catch that, men? Make sure, I know every woman in here caught that, but I'll make sure the men caught it right. Work the labor. We did nothing. Somebody else labored. Our mamas labored so that we could enter in. They did the work, and we got the life. What work did we do to be born again? Or a similar question, what work did we do to save ourselves? See, somebody else did that work. Now we've entered into their work. In each of these things, as different as they may be, we see a pattern. Someone else worked and we received the benefit. That's rest. Rest is the benefit. Rest is the benefit. Now, go with me for a minute, and I'll finish right here. Imagine for a moment someone buying a piece of property, clearing and hauling away all the trees and undergrowth, plowing the soil, removing all the rocks from that soil, fortifying that soil with the right kind of fertilizers and nutrients and, and topsoils and and, 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 and enriching it, then plowing it all again to get it mixed up, then planting the crops, buying the seed, and planting the crops, and then watering the crops, and then keeping the weeds from choking it all out. Then when everything is ripe, this same individual who's done all this work goes in and harvests the fruits and vegetables from, that have been produced uh, from all of that labor, right? And then that individual takes those fruits and vegetables and puts them in buckets 
and drives them down to Heritage Christian Center and carries those buckets in the hallway and lines them down an air-conditioned hallway on a June Sunday morning, would you call your efforts to bend over in said air-conditioned hallway to pick you out a nice squash for your Sunday lunch work? Those of you who don't know what I just said, we have a gentleman in our church. He's 90, help me, Pam, 93. I was going to say 93. He is 90. He, he is 93 years old, and for years, if not decades, he has planted a garden, and he has done exactly that. He does all of that work, all of that expense, and he brings those fresh fruits and vegetables in that hallway. His name is Brother Ed Canada. Brother Ed Canada. If you're here Sunday morning, give that brother some love. Amen. Amen. Fought in the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. Thank God for men and women like him. Amen. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Now, if you're going to eat those vegetables, if you heard my dad, my dad said, tomatoes are coming. Boy, Brother Ed can grow a tomato. Amen. If you're going to actually enter... All right, so I said something at the beginning. Are you ready for this? When you walk in that hallway and you reach down and get you some of those vegetables and you go home and prepare them and eat them, this is what the Lord told me. He said, tell them that they are entering into Brother Ed's rest. You're entering into his rest. Right? Get that and follow that. Now let the Holy Spirit help you with that. See, we hear like entering his rest, entering his rest, entering into God's rest. When you partake of the fruits of his labors and enjoy them, you're entering his rest. See, we hear entering his rest and we think maybe going and sitting in a hammock next to him over on his patio or something. No. Entering Ed's rest, Brother Ed Canada's rest, entering his rest is entering into and enjoying the fruits of what he worked so hard and diligently for so long to provide for you. That's entering in his rest. Now, if you're going to enjoy those fruits and vegetables that he brings us, you're going to have to get up off the purple chair, drag yourself into that hallway, Find you a Walmart sack somewhere in the, in the mix, right? You might actually have to wait for some of your fellow brothers and sisters to clear the buckets, right? In order for you to have a chance. And you might actually have to bend over unless you can get one of these kids to hand you the squash that you want. But you're going to have to put it in your sack. You're going to have to carry it home. You're going to have to cut it up. And bless your poor darling heart, you're going to have to exercise your fork to get it off the plate into your mouth and then chew it up. That's just, that's just too much to ask, isn't it, Jason? That's just back-breaking hard work. Now, see, none of us would ever call any of that work. It is some effort. It is some effort. But do you see, resting and, and being lazy is not the same thing. The rest that he's talking about in entering into that rest is talking about the minimal amount of effort you have to put in to move forward within the infinite amount of provision 
that the blood of Jesus is made for every one of us. Thank you, Jesus. All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you getting anything out of this? Please tell me you are. Oh, I want you to. I want you to. Oh, I want you to get this. Man, I want you to. If I thought the hour would help you get it better, I'd stay here another hour, but I know that it won't. I know it won't. Amen. Just hear me, please. All right? I'm going to finish with this, okay? In case you're wondering, God's at rest tonight. In case you're wondering, heaven's at rest tonight. Amen. You remember what the angel sang? Announcing Jesus' birth. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Amen. So there's peace in heaven tonight. The Father didn't want to keep that peace all to Himself. He wanted you to be able to rest. He wanted you to be able to have peace. Not lay around and do nothing. Not hide yourself from the world or run from devils and demons. No, no. Stand up and fight them. But He, wanted, he wants everything that we do to be done from a place of rest, from a place of thankfulness, and from a place of victory. Everything you do, everything you do, you do it from a place of rest. You do it from a place of peace, thanksgiving, and a place of victory. Amen. Amen. I want to challenge you tonight. Whatever level of rest you've entered into, thank God for it. But don't grow stagnant. There's more rest. There's more still. There's more still. Amen. Father, I thank you for the men and women in this room tonight. I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against them will prosper. I thank you, Father, that they're receiving with meekness your word in their hearts. And it's an awakening truth in them, Father. It's awakening understanding in them. And I thank you, Father, that you're drawing us all. You're drawing us all to that upward place of rest in you, entering into your rest, entering into and enjoying all that you've bought and paid for, all the work that you've done, so that we could now have the opportunity to rest as we serve you diligently here upon this planet. I thank you, Father, for good things. I thank you, Father, that what we put our hands to prospers for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I love you. Thank you for being here tonight. Go in the peace and blessings of God. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and teach you. He's going to speak to some of you when you wake up in the morning. Set your hearts and minds on Him. He's going to show you some, some, some powerful things. Amen.